Two guys not related, yet somehow are given the same name. It's time for the Two Daves podcast, where we'll answer the age-old question, are two Daves better than one? And now, here's Dave and Dave. Welcome back to the Two Daves Nation, where we are trying to live out the incredible words of our president for such times that we're living in, Dave. Those words are ooh-ee, ooh-ah-ah, ting-tang, walla-walla, bing-bang. Hey, I'm Dave. And I'm the other Dave, the one that did not have a birthday yesterday, (laughs) and this ain't tacos. Hey, please make sure you subscribe on YouTube, even if you don't listen on YouTube. Go ahead and subscribe if you would, please, and click that bell. It will remind you every week when a new Two Daves episode's out. But, of course, you can listen to us on all the other podcasting sites, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, you know, it seems like it's been a long time since we've done this, Dave. My son's computer was down. He was sick. Well, we had, you know, we, had, we had the holidays and everything. Yeah. So, yeah. And we're back. I believe this is episode 12 of season two. It could be. You may be right. Yes. Yeah, our fans are clamoring for more. They are. All four of them. <laughs> yes, all four of them. Hey, uh, Dave, it's time for the two days fact of the day. And this time our sponsor is New Floor Sandwiches. I'm excited about this. That's right. Floor sandwiches were developed to stop wasting food unnecessarily. It comes in three different sandwiches, smoked white turkey and cheese, roast beef and provolone, and Italian trio with pepperoni, salami, and olive. Floor Sandwiches offers two options to each sandwich, a little dirty and a little stepped on. Each sandwich comes half price with an expiration date, give a day or two on either side of freshness. Their slogan is, even though we dropped this sandwich, it's still made with love just for you. So next time you're in that favorite convenience store, just ask the floor sandwich, ask for the floor sandwich section and tell them the two Daves sent you. And now, in case you've forgotten what we're doing, <laughs> it's time for the two Daves fact of the day. That was good, man. You should try doing advertising for companies. Yeah, I should. Yeah, I? You should. All right. Hey. Here's the two days fact of the day. The average American child eats 1,500 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches before they graduate from high school. Huh. You believe that? I know I probably ate 2,500 of them before I graduated. You like peanut butter and jelly? I love it. What's your favorite jelly to go on peanut butter? Strawberry. Ah, grape. Mm, That's good. Either way. I can't have much anymore, but man, Man, they are good. I'm getting kind of hungry for peanut butter and jelly. I'm going to go make me a sandwich. Can you hang on? Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Are you back? Okay. All right. Okay. Hey, uh, you know, we're getting past the new year. Yes, we are. um, Tonight we're recording. It's uh, January 11th, but this will come out towards the end of January. But, uh, you know, New Year's resolutions. Did you make any this year, Dave? I do not make New Year's resolutions. Why, why not? Um, because I don't keep them. Oh, that's, that's probably a good reason. Well, you know, I think, I think goal setting is something that everybody should do, but um, I'm not sure that New Year's is necessarily the time to do that. Um, I think goals should be set periodically throughout the year and for maybe shorter periods of time than a year. I don't know. Well, it just happens, Dave, that our research team yes. came up with this um, uh, 
this article that talks about the stupidity of making New Year's Day resolutions. That's right. So, they say that the, the new year may be the worst time to make a lifestyle change. Yeah. According to Reuters, uh, people seeking to get or stay fit in 2022 might do better to start today rather than rely on a New Year's resolution to shape up tomorrow, fitness experts say. Yeah, losing weight and getting fit and healthy are among the top resolutions of, of people every year. Top five even resolutions, though, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And even though most uh, most of them don't make it by spring, hey, I yeah. belong to Planet Fitness and it is busy right now. Oh, I'm sure it is. But when March comes around, it won't be that busy. Yeah. Yeah, it, know, it just happens. You know, and maybe I'm maybe I'm uh, stepping on ground we're already going to talk about. But um, I mean, I need to make I need to make some fitness goals. But coming off of the holidays, we still have Christmas candy around. Yeah. Um, I, this is not a good time of year for me to do that. I, I need to wait until later on in the year. That's it's true. Well, I'm glad you said that because this goes this uh, article says uh, the New Year's resolution is a kind of grand glorified long-term goal that people for societal reasons tend to begin on the first day of the calendar year. And according to this uh, psychologist with the American College of Sports Medicine, they said that goals set because people feel they should make them tend to be pressure-filled, unrealistic, and less like to be accomplished. Yeah. He says, I'd like to cut down on junk food a little bit. That, that's a goal that's more likely to be accomplished than I'll completely revamp my lifestyle, <laughs> which really is the kind of goal we set as a New Year's resolution. Yeah, I've had I've had no I've had no self-discipline for the last 20 years. But, hey, it's, I'm going to revolutionize my life yeah. with All one of a resolution. Sudden, I'm going to be a new man. I'm going to turn over yeah. a new leaf. Yeah. Well, OK. Goes on and says, while about 45 percent of Americans make New Year's resolutions, Dave, how many do you think of those succeed? Well, just looking at the script, I'd say about 8% <laughs> succeed. Very good. Very good. 8%. So, um, you know, that's not very good. No, no, it's not. Have you ever made a New Year's resolution? I have. How, how successful were you? I maybe made one in all the times I've made a resolution. You made one throughout I don't, the entire year? Yeah, I don't make spiritual resolutions. I don't believe in that. I make just like body resolutions. Yeah. So I've stayed with one. Um, but I actually made that prior, probably two months prior to that. So I know what that one was. Yeah. You said that you would never complain about your wife's cooking again. That's right. That's right. And, you, and you've kept it up. Good for you. Yes, I have. I'm good. I'm yeah. good. Well, so this anyway, you know, they're talking about how it's just stupid to, to start a new year's day resolution. So yeah. it's kind of why athletes stay in shape year round. They have a program scheduled planned over an entire year with variation, rest days, more intense days, less intense workout times. Um, it's, it's like a job, you know, uh, there's very little vacation time to that. And I think a lot of people, when they go into like uh, Planet Fitness or something like that, they go in and they're intimidated by everybody doing their stuff. Yeah. And they're clueless on what to do. I know that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so uh, 
you know, it's like this all or nothing mentality and usually nothing happens. All right. Well, Dr. Cedric X. Bryant, he's the chief science officer of the American Council on Exercise. He said people who succeed focus on progress, not perfection, and they plan for the inevitable slip up. He says people don't take time to celebrate the little successes because they're so focused on, say, an arbitrary weight goal. They don't notice that they're sleeping better or feeling less anxious. So Chert Talk suggests setting goals that don't depend on the calendar to achieve results. And I think that's good. Yeah, that is good. Dave, I think uh, after we talked about that, it's time to, that we share some very down-to-earth practical steps that you and I have developed over the years. And it really covers our bases as men of the home in dealing with resolutions that that we make in front of our wives and, and in front of our children and how to navigate through those disappointing times of failing our resolution time in and time out. Now, wait a minute. Yeah. If I'm hearing you correctly. Yeah. You're saying that we need to share our secrets with our podcasting family. That's right. It's time. You know, it, it might make us very vulnerable if this incredible piece of advice is made known, okay? So yep. are you aware of that? Yeah, yeah. I wrote I wrote it down carefully. All right. So we well, would not, you know. Well, times are difficult right thing. now, but you know, that's okay. Let's go ahead and let's help our fellow men out. Okay, let's do that. First thing right. first. Dave, I know we wrestled with this, but first thing first, in a very casual way, make up a list of things that maybe didn't happen the year before. But it, it sounds like it, it could have happened, but it didn't happen. And you begin to blame other people for the reason why you didn't make that resolution. And, you know, after much personal soul searching, you've decided to revamp them into newer and better res resolutions that will impress your wife even more than the year before. And your kids as well, so much so that they'll forget all the disappointments that you brought before them the year before. And uh, like you said, you were going to take them on a trip to Hawaii, which never happened. But, you know, that's that's something that you can do. Just yeah, kind of revitalize that. We resolution. call it the throw everybody under the bus step. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. I like that. Else. What's your secret? Well, second, uh, what this is, this is very helpful. Uh -huh. Transfer last year's resolutions that failed on your wife and kids. Make them feel like you had to make those resolutions to only get them thinking about their need to change instead of your need to change. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's an example. Okay. Honey, I know I said I needed to lose 40 pounds last year, but I've seen how your clothes aren't fitting on you with comfort. And I can feel your frustration and guilt. I'm not saying anything last year to me about them being the ones that should have, about you being the ones that should have lost weight, not you. <laughs> so uh, on to your kids, you know, you tell them, I told your mom that I was going to save $10,000 to invest it for, for our retirement. Then just stare at them, shake yeah. your head and say, you kids should be ashamed of yourselves. I've spent that money that I was going to save on things like your school lunches, new clothes, and those braces and contacts that you supposedly needed. Man, how selfish can you be? Oh, let him cry. Let him cry and never tell your wife about that discussion you had with him. No. That's no. good, Dave. This is some good stuff. I think it we're is, saving, it is we're the saving men. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I got one more secret. Uh, the third, the third step is all about your family putting you on a pedestal as dad and husband and the pressure that you have as a man to deal with meeting all their expectations of you that come from those new resolutions that you make about weight loss, saving money, taking families on trips and doing more chores around the house. Mm -hmm. Men, you need to look at them as sad as you can be. If, if you can cry a little bit, cry just oh, yeah. a little bit, do it, do it. And then point at them and say, the pressures of meeting those resolutions for you, they've had their consequences. It's been so intense that I started eating more, spending more on myself to cover up the pain inside. And yes, I even had to go on a trip to Florida by myself just to get away from the pressure mm -hmm. of my family. And now I'm way too weak to do laundry or dishes around the house, not to mention all the vacuuming that must be done. Point at the kids and say, you've caused your mom to do more now than the year before. Let that sink in. That's, that's powerful. It powerful. is. It is. It is. It is. Finally, make at least an attainable goal in front of them. It might seem very difficult, but say this. My goal is to stay the same, so don't ask me to change for you. It's time for you to do all the changing while I sit back this year and just be me. That's good. Yeah. I like it. Dave, we, we've done well. And I, I hope these four action steps can put your mind at ease in 2022. Now, Dave, in showbiz, we called what we just did a bit. A bit, yeah. Dave, I thought since we were practically in showbiz ourselves with our we podcasting are. endeavors, that we could do one of these at the beginning of this year. So um, our podcasting listeners, you're welcome. So basically what you're saying is that was just a bit? Just a bit. Oh, okay. Because I yep. actually do these things. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Now, Great. you know, I think what might be a good idea is if you make resolutions, don't share them publicly. I remember one year when I was a teenager, our pastor, he had everybody, we had like a watch night service. For those of you who are under 40, a watch night service is a service that you have at church on New Year's Eve. Yeah. And uh, what would happen was our pastor said, I want you to make a resolution. You write it down on a piece of paper, and then we're going to put it in a sealed envelope. And I'm going to keep it all year long. And I'm going to hand it back to you in a year, and you open it up and see if you kept it. And he did. He remembered the next year to hand them back to us and everything. But we didn't make them public. So that's, you know, that's a cheater's way because you can basically say, oh, yes, I did grow a year older, just like I said I would. So Yeah, I bet you attendance was low the next year, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, folks, tonight we want to talk about a couple of very important topics, mental health and wrapping ourselves around the consequences of our soldiers coming back from war and the struggle to get acclimated back into civilian life. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I have our guest with us tonight, and he was just correcting me on something that I put down that I was I had wrong. So <laughs> I need help. I need help. Hey, uh, tonight I'm thankful to have my friend and hero uh, Rob Shepard, who um, I also get to be his pastor. Which you know, hey, I'm sorry, Rob. Yeah, he's got the bad end of the deal. You Talk know, about PTSD. But yeah, but Rob served in the Iraqi war, um, came back to the States uh, with the Purple Heart, and hopefully he will t share some of his story with us. But we really wanted to get the word out 
Uh, hopefully this will help somebody at least um, that struggles. Um, I just heard the newest statistic, Dave, that uh, we had more suicides, uh, soldiers that committed suicide or vets that committed suicide in the last quarter. Uh, most has been in the last 40 years. I have heard that. And that's not that's not good. Well, hey, let's welcome Rob Shepard to the Two Daves podcast. Welcome, Rob. Well, hello. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Rob, I have a, a couple of important questions for you. You bet. What's your favorite sandwich and do you make resolutions? <laughs> wow, those are some tough questions. <laughs> yeah, well, we want to throw some softballs at you first. That's right. <laughs> My favorite sandwich. Mm, probably a club sandwich. Oh, yeah. And uh, I do not make New Year's resolutions. For what All reason? Right. Um, they're too hard to keep. Yeah, that's right. Too hard to keep. See, us well, men we do stick together. That's right. Well, Rob, we do want to thank you for serving our nation. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, without going into much detail about your service? Who Who is Rob? Ooh, who is Rob? Rob. Mm. Rob is a very busy guy at the church. He is. Uh, Rob is a very busy guy at home. Uh, I'm the commander of the local VFW here in Marshalltown. Uh, very busy with them. Uh, He's a Nebraska fan. I, I am. I'm from Nebraska. Okay. I'm out of here. We'll talk to you later. Um, we, he is he is a Vikings fan though too. I am a Vikings fan. I'm a, a Nebraska fan. Wow. UMD wow. hockey. Go Bulldogs. Wow. Rob and I had a fun time. I don't know how many years ago it was. Four years maybe. Something like that. We went to the Iowa Nebraska game. We did here in here in Iowa. And uh, we won. And he lost more than one way. My knee went out, and he had to basically <laughs> carry me. All the way down the stairs. It was terrible. Remember that? It was pretty sad. It was, it it was, was cold. Sad. It, was, it cold. was so cold. <laughs> and uh, the boys went to get the car, and it took them like three hours to get the car. As we wandered around the empty stadium with your knee out. He has a problem in a stadium. We went one time to a stadium to hear a well-known healing evangelist yes. and Dave got unhealed while he was yeah. there. My back went out. <laughs> oh, I thought it was your leg. Was it your back? No, it was my back. Wow. It was my back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think Rob might've said, man, I felt like I went back into the war. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't move. I'm like, I can't move, man. It was bad. It was really bad. I'll bet you wanted to revert and just say, you know what? There's, we can leave some men behind. This guy stays behind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's one we can leave behind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's, he can last for a few days. He's got enough fat on him. All those anyway, sandwiches. we, we, dig <laughs> yeah, all those sandwiches. we digress. Tell us yes. a, a little bit more about who you are. Ooh. You're married. I am married. I've been married for many years. My my wonderful wife Teresa. How how long have you been married? Oh my goodness. Uh, uh oh. Well, Tell my her son is twenty seven, so uh, twenty eight years. Twenty eight years. Congratulations. Thank you, Teresa. You should. Teresa and Rob are great people in our church. Great friends. 
Good. And we don't live too. We moved into their area, and I think the their house was probably a little depreciated now since we moved into the area. The, the neighborhood has definitely changed. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, man. Thanks. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh boy, we're we're in trouble tonight, Dave. No, you're in trouble tonight. Yeah. I know. I know. What do you like to do, Rob? What are some things outside of just you serve all the time? We've had them on this, you know, where our uh, church got hit by the Duray show and we got rid of our pews. And guess who sold all the pews for us? Oh, Rob. I've been selling pews and tables and benches, and they're going to make me sell about 300 chairs soon. He's a glutton right. for punishment, man. Yeah, he is, it's but, a lot of fun. Thank, oh. thank you for doing that. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, it's great. What do you like to do, though? Do you have hobbies that you like? I do. I'm a huge Nebraska football fan. If we hadn't men- mentioned that already, That's I think true. that has come up. Um, That's true. I'm I'm just as passionate about my football as you guys are. Yeah. Um, and it's good that we can, you know, be good about it and yeah, egg, well, I, egg each other know, on. Nebraska fans, if that's one thing that can be said about Nebraska fans, they are very passionate about their football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, uh, we have a good time ribbing one another. We do. And that's fun. I think you can do it. There's some people are so passionate. They take it personal. Yeah, they do. Yeah, so that's true. We don't. You got to have fun. It, it, it isn't that serious. I mean, get over yourself. Yeah. yeah. I have, I have a friend who uh, grew up in Iowa and his kids gave him a, a an Iowa Jersey and he had, it was a sweatshirt, an Iowa sweatshirt. And he was driving through Lincoln, stopped to get gas. Oh no. And he wasn't thinking he was wearing it. And somebody approached him and said, I can't believe you would wear that shirt in this town. And he, he thought he was going to get murdered. <laughs> then they took them out to lunch right yeah (laughs) peanut butter and jelly sandwich (laughs) (laughs) so rob you are um uh, a veteran and um i am and again i don't think we can say you know when we say thank you for serving that really doesn't say it all how do you how do you take that? I mean, does that, do you like hearing that? Or is it, what what really means something to you as, as a, a serviceman, you know, a vet that sacrificed their life to. Yeah. Um, most, most everybody that, that has served, they don't like to be thanked because they feel like you're putting them on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. And, and most, most people don't feel that they deserve it. You know, I just, I served my country. I did what my contract said that I had to do. And I'm a regular guy and, you know, don't put me on a pedestal, but, um, you know, I I found that I found that to be true. I, uh, I like to, when I go into a restaurant and I see a service man, I like to offer to pay for their meal just as, just as some sort of thanks. I was never able to serve in the military and I like to do that. And we were at a uh, Panera bread. And there was a, a guy in uniform ahead of me in line. And I said, sir, I'd, I'd just really like to pay for your meal. And he said, absolutely not. Uh, he there was adamant know. that yeah. I not do that. And I think maybe it's because of what you said. He just, he, he was, he did what he had to do. 
and wasn't expecting anything, any pedestal about it. You know? Right. I, I think for me, and especially as a pastor in our church, we really take time to honor um, our, our veterans. And you do. And I think that's more than just saying thank you. It's bringing honor to what you did. You bet. And I, I think that needs to be practiced, continue to be practiced. I, I see uh, uh, veterans, they wear their hats, you know, they've been in Nam and they've been in all these places. And I, yeah. I really don't say thank you so much as I do. I just honor you for what you did. That's very nice. And um, I'm, I'm sure they appreciate it. Yeah, you know, Rob made me an honorary. Um, what was that for, Rob? That you guys for BFW? What were we giving away? Oh, um, we were doing. Uh, was it the poppies? I don't remember. Buddy poppies or flags? Flags. 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 Flag day. Yeah, that's right. Uh, July fourth. Can I tell tell Dave what happened? Um, well, we seem to be running out of veterans to to stand uh, at the stores and, and distribute, you know, buddy poppies, flags. And we do all that each year as a fundraiser. And uh, the money that we make off of that, it, it goes to helping local veterans in need. All of that money goes to that. And um, we're running out of guys, you know, they're dying. World War II guys, mm -hmm. Korean guys, and now a lot of our Vietnam guys are starting to die. And uh, I had to come to my church and ask for help. Who could I get to to stand out in front of High V and uh, hand out flags? And Pastor Dave stepped up to the plate. Did we get anybody else from the church that did that? Um, Pastor Curtis stepped up to the plate. Did Bob? Uh, oh, duh, he's already a serviceman, right? Bob is a serviceman. Yeah, 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 duh. It was. You know what? I felt. Tell him about it. What you did? Yeah, well, so I stood out in front. You know where High V is, Dave? And yeah, in the town we live. I stood at one of the doors and Rob's wife stood at the other one. So we were like in competition, you know, it was kind of fun, <laughs> but I felt an overwhelming just sense of, um, how can I say it? Well, did you, did you feel like you were a fraud? <laughs> no, no, I, I let people know. Okay. I, I did not serve, but I'm standing in the gap for those that, that cannot stand here. And, uh, but I felt, I felt, an overwhelming pride to be able to help, you know, to be able to help in that way. Give back. Yeah, to give back. And um, uh, it was a good, and you know what I found out? It must be what you guys hear all the time. You find out that people had aunts and uncles that served and brothers and sisters that served and all this kind of stuff. Right. And I heard so many stories during the two hours. The two hours went by like that. Mm -hmm. But it was it was really, really um, a cool thing to be able to be part of something like that, to hear the stories. So I hope I get the opportunity to do that again, because it's um, it's an, uh, a privilege to be able to do that. You're in luck. We're going to be doing it in 2022. All right. Yeah. Sign me up. You are signed up. Sign me up. Thank you. I'm ready. We appreciate it. You know, you talking about, you know, we'll talk going to some more about going into war and stuff, but VFW is just for those that were in war, correct? It is the veterans of foreign wars. Okay. So it is for those who have served uh, in a foreign war. Mm -hmm. 
just just what it says vfw veterans of foreign wars what are the other um areas that veterans can be part of that maybe weren't oh, in war uh, the american legion uh the am vets uh purple heart there's there's all kinds of different groups okay dave was your dad in in uh he served didn't he my, my dad served he got in right at the right after a peace was declared in the second world war so he served he, he went over to germany in 45 right after the war was over okay mm-hmm. yeah we're losing all them yeah yeah so why is it that are we having a hard time with getting younger veterans to be part of these groups? We are. We have literally no veterans uh, from the Iraq war. I think I'm the only one. The only one. There's hundreds and hundreds of them out there. And I don't I don't know why they don't want to join the VFW or, and be part of the group. It's uh, it, it's hard to figure out it. What what do you, I mean, what do you go through to try and recruit? Well, maybe that's the problem. You know, maybe we're not working hard enough as far as recruitment, but it's mostly just word of mouth, mm-hmm. you know, Hey, you know, did you serve? Would you like to join the VFW? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us about your journey into the service. Uh, why did you decide to serve and what, what you did while you were in the service? <laughs> well, um, I had a friend in high school that decided that he wanted to go into the Marine Corps, and I did not have a plan ahead of me. So um, I said, that sounds interesting. It sounds like it would be a lot of fun uh, to me. You know, I, I joined the Marines because I wanted to join the best. So um, we went in on the buddy plan. There was a thing called the buddy plan back at the time. And you would go in together and you would go to boot camp together and you would go to training together. And then, you know, probably would go to separate duty stations after that. But um, my buddy didn't even make it to boot camp. So I went all by myself. What happened to him? Uh, he had bad knees. Oh. <laughs> oh no. So it's not like you made a resolution. Hey, this year I'm going to go into uh, the military. Exactly. I don't have a plan. And that's, yeah. So you found yourself going in without your buddy. I went in alone. Yeah. That, uh, I went to San Diego for boot camp. It was my very first plane ride. I'd never been on a plane. Mm. Uh, I went to the, the MEP station in Omaha and uh, the Marines gladly signed me up and uh, sent me to boot camp in San Diego. And uh, that was what three months of, of, uh, of a lot of fun. What year was this? <laughs> 1985. 1985. Okay. 1985. I graduated that year. I did too. Yeah, you did. That's right. So, I mean, can you kind of tell us what's the, has that process changed over the years? No. It's it's the same. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's the same today as it was then. So nine weeks of basic training? Uh, 13 weeks. 13 weeks. Mm -hmm. And pretty intense? Very intense. And do you learn to say, yes, sir? No, sir, at you, those things, or you learn to say, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> yes. Uh, what was the biggest shock to you going into something like that? Well, I mean, they 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 tear you down to nothing and they build you back up the way they want you to be built up. So uh, has, has anybody seen the movie Full Metal Jacket? Mm-hmm. Yes. Have you seen it? 
Yep. That is 99.9% realistic on what it's like. Really? That's very, very accurate. Wasn't the drill sergeant in that? He was a really a drill sergeant. Arlie Ermey. Yeah, Arlie Ermey. Yep. He was a real yep. drill sergeant. That's why he, he was so good in that He was amazing in that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's the stuff they did in the movie. They did to us too. And it, uh, you didn't laugh then, but you know, watch, later on watching the movie, you laugh, but not at the time you don't laugh. It's very serious. Did you have people that didn't take it serious? No, everybody took it serious. They did. Yes. Cause you were scared I, to death. I suppose if they didn't take it seriously, they would have been out, right? You, oh, you bet. Yeah. yeah. We, we were so scared that, you know, we did exactly what they said as fast as we could do it. 85, huh. there's no war. No. There's nothing no. going on. So you're going in maybe thinking. Peacetime. It's peacetime. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. And uh, my plan initially was to become an MP. Mm. That's what I wanted to do. Okay. That's not what happened. Okay. Um, every Marine is a, a rifleman first. So um, my job was a machine gunner. I was an M60 machine gunner. On they, on a um on a Jeep type no, thing? No, no, no. You carried it. You carried it around. You walked. Wow. And you carried it. Yeah. Were you, had you shot a gun before? I had not shot a gun before. So you go from not shooting a gun to shooting a machine gun. You bet. <laughs> That's exciting. Was it exciting? It was very exciting. Um and you're shooting blanks? No, you're shooting live rounds. You go, you go to uh, uh, fields where they have uh, things out in the field, and you're shooting live rounds at them. You know, not people, but I mean, like yeah. old jeeps and right. buses oh, and you know fun. stuff like that. You get to light it up, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Are there ever those times where you got guys that are maybe not knowing what they're doing and? it becomes a dangerous situation. And then there's the sergeant. He's like, yes. You know, yes. That happens all the time. And thank goodness for that. Yes. Right. Yeah. You don't, don't point a weapon at, at somebody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they do it. So 85, you're not married. You're, no, you're, I just, I just came out of high school. Yeah. Okay. I was not married. So your, your plans, you were don't you, have a girlfriend. Were you married in high school? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Feels like I was married in high school, but no. I'm girls just kidding. Have, I'm just girls kidding. didn't have anything to do with him in high school. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I'm sorry. Go on. No, no. So, you know, you you don't have a girlfriend or nothing. There's no plans there for. Right. So you're going in and you sign up just for what? Four years? Four years. And I say just what? Four years. I mean, four years. Just is long, four years. Yeah. That's a long time. It's a very long time. Okay. So four years. What? In the war, well, the stuff starts heating up in Iraq. Uh, the Gulf War yeah. happened in uh, 91. 91? 91, yeah, January 91. 16th, 1991. And I just yeah. got out. I got out in um, the end of 89. So that was my very first year out of the, the Marine Corps. And um, next thing you know, the Gulf War is going on. And, you know, I just missed it by that much. Now, what were you, what were you, what was your feeling about that? Were you glad you missed it or were you like going, oh man? Um, a little bit of both. I was, yeah. I was, I was a little bit glad that I'd missed it, but I was also felt uh, 
cheated, you know, that I didn't get my chance to do what I was. Uh, what you were trained to do? Trained to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we have some guys, I think I hear at the church and great guys served. They just didn't serve in war. Yes. And so it's almost like, you know, Dave, you probably heard this as well, but, you know, it's kind of like, um, well, I, I didn't serve in war. And, but that's a big thing anyway, if you don't serve in war, you're still giving up your time. Oh, yeah. You're married to the military. So is there a little bit in you that's like, I would like to go to war? You bet. It's, uh, which you've never the, been to war. You don't know what it's like. Right. But we you're will, prepared for it in a sense. We've all seen the movies and yeah. it's, it's not really like that. Um, it's very scary. It's very, um, um, I don't know what the word is. Uh, help me out. Is it just, I mean, tense all the time. Very right? ten- Yeah, very tense. Yeah, very tense. You're on alert. All the time, a thriller movie. All the time, it's like a thriller movie. All the time, yeah. You can you can never let your guard down. Okay, so you're okay. So you come out in '89. You're done at the end of '89. You're done serving, basically. I, I joined the National Guard. There's your tie-in to going to war, then. Yes, there's my tie-in. So I joined the National Guard and plan on doing uh, 16 more years. To get my t- total twenty years, so I can get my retirement, mm-hmm. and uh, so I joined the National Guard, and and uh, I'm in the the uh, Maine National Guard in the state of Maine, and I'm in the Nebraska National Guard, and I'm back in the Maine National Guard again because I'm moving back and forth, and uh, the next thing you know, it's uh, 2004, and the Gulf War kicks up and gets going, and and um, we have orders to go to war. The 133rd Engineer Battalion. We all got uh, orders to go to war. So, how many years had you been in? Have you had you served between that and National Guard up to that point? 17 years. I was at the very end of my 20 years. Really? Wow. So I wasn't the young young Marine anymore, and I'm the middle aged, uh, yeah. almost out of the service guy going to war. What so was your feeling about difference. that? What was your feeling about that? Well, you know, uh, uh, I was glad to be able to uh, fulfill my obligation, you know, since I kind of missed out on it being a Marine. Um, now I get to do it in the National Guard. So it was it was almost as good. Don't you feel like there's more at stake now? Because now you're married. Now I'm married yeah, and I have a, have a son. Yeah. I mean, and there's a little bit more on the line. There's, now. there's a heck of a lot more on the line now. You bet. But yet that something inside of you as a soldier that's prepared in you for all those years. And yes. would you say being a soldier is a, there's a calling also there? To oh, do that? yeah, for sure. Yeah. You bet. Okay. Now, uh, Dave, Dave said you got a purple heart while you were there. What, uh, what did you do to get the purple heart? Well, uh, we got shelled, uh, mortar, mortar attacks and RPG fire, um, just about daily. And, uh, one day I was, uh, going to the dining hall to go to lunch and they started raining shells in on us. And, um, 
One landed probably, I don't know, maybe 20 feet away from me. And the next thing you know, I'm, you know, laying on my back from the, the shock, the, the wave and the concussion. And, and, uh, I get up and I'm, you know, I check myself out and I had a couple holes here and there, you know, little holes with, and I'm bleeding. So, um, they rushed me down to the, to the medics and, uh, check me out and thank God I was all right. You know, they were just superficial wounds. The shock wave. Can, can do you remember that? Oh yeah. So what's that? What's that feel like? Oh my gosh, it's so disorienting. I mean, it, it, it's almost like you're blacked out for a few seconds, and you and and you're you're disoriented, and you don't know what's going on. You can't hear. You got ringing in your ears, and you got dust in your eyes, and it's just crazy. You you don't know if you're hurt or you're not hurt. If your buddy's hurt or not hurt, so it's it's just crazy. Do you mm -hmm. remember that, Shelling, Dave? Do I remember it? Do you remember that incident that happened at all? Reading about well, it? Well, no, th this that was something different. Oh, that was something different. Okay. Okay. Well, you were shelled. This was. Who shelled you then? It was. Uh, the insurgents. Were they closer than what you thought? They were, or, or what? They were right off the base. Yeah, I mean, they would drive around in these little trucks and wow, and find a spot, and they would start set up their mortar and boop, 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 launch a few rounds, and they'd take off and they'd be gone. And as the things were hitting, impacting on the base, they're already gone and moving off to another another spot. So that particular incident, did anybody die in that in that one? The one where I got hurt? Yeah. No, there there were several people that were were wounded uh several people got purple hearts but nobody nobody was killed thank goodness thank god yeah for sure um so you're that you're there you experience that but then you're you also experience not getting hit but you experience another incident and do you want to share that with us what? well we had many incidents okay but the, the big one that i think you want to hear about is the dining hall bombing there we go yeah it uh, was in december of 2004 and their main goal was uh, the, them they the insurgents their main goal was to try to knock out the dining hall because you know we were there breakfast lunch and supper and that's when a majority of the guys were there eating so if you're going to hit anywhere that's the spot to hit the dining hall how many soldiers are there at that time oh my gosh hundreds hundreds at, at one time and uh, what happened on that particular day was, um, well, they had tried to mortar the dining hall over and over and over, and they were not successful. They, they couldn't get the shells in close enough. So what they did was they had a suicide bomber attack. Ugh. And they had a guy, one of the Iraqi uh, guys on our side, supposedly, uh, went in to eat. Uh, they had an Iraqi National Guard that trained on the base that we were at. Okay. Okay. And so uh you trained them? Yes, we trained mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Um one day a guy guy goes in to eat lunch and had the uh, full bombing vest on and just lit himself off and then and mm -hmm. blew the whole dining facility mm -hmm. up. So uh, how many people died that day, you said? Uh, 72 were injured and 22 were killed that day and it was the biggest the biggest uh, uh attack since beirut the, the marine barracks in beirut 
back in the 80s, early 80s. Are you looking that up, Dave? No. Are you uh, familiar with that? I'm not. Yeah, that was uh, that was big. It made the national news. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure was, I was. I just don't remember it, yeah, you know. Right. There were so many. When was that again? What was the date? Uh, it was December of 2004. Okay. It's the Camp Camp Merez Dining Hall explosion. Because things, I mean, so you said many incidents happened while you were there. Every day. I mean. That we never heard about. That you never heard about. Exactly. The same kind of thing. Shelling. Every day. Shooting. Yes. And, and, uh. What were the things that they planted in the ground and trucks would go over them and IEDs. Okay. Improvised explosive devices. Okay. Yes. Those, those were planted on our, uh, uh, we, we did a lot of convoys through the city mm -hmm. and, uh, they would plant the IEDs on the, the routes that we would take uh -huh. and hopes that they could hit a convoy as it was going through. And that happened all the time in the Iraq war. Because we huh. heard of that happening right. a lot. You had more guys getting their legs and arms blown off from IEDs and, than yeah. anything. So you had friends die in this? Yes. Yeah. We had guys from our unit that, that died in the dining hall explosion. Yeah. Uh, how old are you at this time then? Um, I was 36, I think. Was that the first time you experienced friends dying in? The war that was the first time, yes. When you when you would wake up in the morning, did you ever did you ever wrestle with the fact that this could be the day that that you will go into eternity? Every day, every day, every single day. You bet. Hmm. Were you Christian back then? Yes. So you I, was, I was a brand new Christian, right? You had to rely on. And thank goodness you had that. Thank God you had somebody probably telling, giving you the word. You had a Bible. I had a, a little pocket Bible. I had, we had a, a chapel. We had services every week. We had Bible study also during the week. And I went to all that stuff while I was over there. Uh, I wonder if people draw closer to God during those kind of times. I think they do. Mm -hmm. I really do. So, you know, Rob, Rob's happy-go-lucky all the time. It, Rob's fun to be around. But I know that, you know, like, if you don't, if you've not been in his shoes, you know, don't know his story and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, a lot happens in war. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure your wife knows a lot of the stuff that happened. She found out about it later. Yeah. Yeah. She I didn't tell her about most of it as it was happening because it was it, it would just be too much stress. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's I, you don't want to you don't want her to know that exactly. while you're over there. Yeah. Right. So I would I would send home um we were still using cameras at the time, and I would send home uh rolls of film. Hmm. And I was always taking pictures mm -hmm. everywhere over there. Mm -hmm. And uh she would get to develop these rolls of film and see these pictures. And um, she never knew what she was going to see on the pictures. So mm. uh, the ones that were were bad, I sent to a friend and uh, had him develop them and hold on to them till I got home. I didn't want her to see that. Yeah. Okay. So 
you, your time's up. You spend an, a year there? We were there for a little bit over a year. It was about 14 months. Did you, you never came home? I did not. I chose to stay there the whole time. Um, I used my leave at the end of oh. our active duty. So it was, you know, um, two weeks with pay at home afterwards. Did, did you miss anything? Did you, or did you not have time to really think about that stuff? Uh, going home? You yeah, mean, that and just some of the stuff of being in America, you know, doing, going down to McDonald's, doing what, I mean, did you miss? Oh, of course. Stuff yeah. Stuff like that. Uh, we we missed all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you had a place where you could bowl and different things like that at one time, didn't you? On our base? Yeah. No, we didn't have a bowling alley. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Dave, are you making stuff up? No, because I have some <laughs> friends. No, I have some friends from Hayes, Kansas, <laughs> that they told me on there, on oh, there okay. they had a well, portable they, bowling alley. They may day. have been in Kuwait or something like that, you okay. know, where they had a bigger base. and Or and, Cutter or whatever that Yeah, is. and they, they had more. Okay more freedom to do stuff like that. We yeah. were on a forward operating base. We were in the heart of it. You were, you right. were actually, you were actually in the nation of Iraq. Oh yeah. We were in yeah. the, the city of Mosul in, in, Mosul. in Northern Iraq. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Were you so, able to interact with a lot of the people who live there? Good question. No. Okay. Um, not the Iraqi people, the ones that were on the base. Yes. The, the people that worked on the base. Yes. Uh, okay. The Iraqi National Guard soldiers that were there with us. Yes. But uh, most of the work that we actually did was up in Kurdistan, um, okay. which was about uh, three hours north of where we were stationed. And we would convoy up to Kurdistan. Wow. And we mm -hmm. get a little bit of time off up there to see the sites, you know, not I right. mean, you've got your full battle gear on, you got right. your weapon and everything, but you know, you could go downtown, these little towns and interact with the people and have something to eat. And, and, uh, we did do that in Kurdistan, uh, the Kurd, the Kurdish people were very, very pro-American, very friendly, and we're happy to have us there. Huh. Uh, well, they, they're the ones that, that fought against, I mean, they were the ones that did not like Saddam and Correct. all that stuff. Correct. Right? Saddam gassed the Kurds. You remember that? Yes. Way back. Yes. Yes. I mean, he killed. He killed thousands, if not millions. Did he not? Yes. Oh yeah. Maybe you could tell us, because I'm sure that um, I'm sure that you know time kind of erases memories. What were we doing there? What was the cause of the Iraq War? Um. 9-11 happened, mm -hmm. and uh, we had the terrorist attacks here in the United States, mm -hmm. and uh, next thing you know, we're at war with with uh, these terrorist organizations that were in Iraq, uh, Syria, Iran, mm -hmm. Afghanistan, so mm -hmm. we, we, uh, we were in Iraq and Afghanistan at the same time, two different... Uh, battle areas fighting these insurgents is that where there was only like a group of like 13 15 guys went in and they had to make a pact with some of these guys from afghanistan to kind of start 
making their way in and I'm not aware of that story. No. There was a there was a a movie. Hollywood made a movie. It's based on <laughs> No wait, no, wait a second. Yeah. It was based on a true on the true on a true thing where there's like 13, 15 of them. You talking in. about the Benghazi thing? Maybe that was it. Is that where that That's probably what you're talking about. 13 hours? Yeah. yeah oh yeah. That was Benghazi. That was an embassy. But when you were okay. when you were injured and they worked on you, was the doctor's name Hawkeye? <laughs> Ours was uh, Major Nelson. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, take that. True. Seriously, his name was Major Nelson. Major Nelson. Wow. All right. Yeah. He was kind of kind of a character, kind of like them on Mash. Uh. <laughs> did Did you ever have like um, president or vice president or you know people from America come over to uh, mucky muck? encourage you? Is that what it's called? <laughs> a big mucky muck. Yeah. Um, we had our senator from the state of Maine came over and, and visited us while we were over there. Senator Collins. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, I was very, I was pro Senator Collins at the time. Um, unfortunately she's changed since then and I would she's, not support her now, but she's what they call a rhino, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. That was dangerous for them to come in at that time. Wasn't it? Um, no. Yes and no. I mean, they stayed on the bigger bases and it was pretty secure. And uh, you had the airport, right? We had the airports. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It wasn't that dangerous. How do you think the Kurds think about us now? Well, I would I would hope that. Uh, they have good memories of us being there. Um, we built uh, roads for them. We built uh, um, little clinics, hospital-like clinics for them. We built schools for them. We put culverts in their roads. I mean, we did a lot of a lot of different good things for them in their in Kurdistan. Right. And uh, I I hope that all that's still there, you know, today. And uh, all those kids, uh, the kids, were always hanging around us, wanting to to greet us, huh. say hi, put their arm around us. Uh, and uh, all those kids now are in their twenties, if wow. if they're still alive. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's really weird to think about. I'll bet. Well, um, were you, were your wife and son notified when you were injured? No, they were no, not notified. That, really? No, that was kind of a hush hush thing. Uh, really? Yes. Um, uh, uh, hush hush on who, whose decision was it that it was hush hush? Um, our end for security reasons. Okay. Yeah. So when when did they find out when you got home? Um, no, no, it would have been days later when okay when we made a phone call home or something, you know. But when, so when an incident able... happened over there, we were not allowed to use the phones or internet or anything because we didn't want to give that intel sure to the terrorists so they knew you know what they had done to us. So that's why it was kept quiet. I see. Okay. How, so how when did, when were you given the Purple Heart? Um, I was given the Purple Heart while I was over there. It was probably, I don't know, maybe the next month after the incident. And uh, just Who presented a, it to you? Um, a little ceremony in, with the um, company. And uh, I think it was, <laughs> tell you the truth, I can't even remember who gave it to me. That's okay. sad. Okay. I think it was just one of the... Um, the majors or, or sure 
or something in, of the unit. You is is it in a little box? Is what it's in. Yep, it's in a little box. They pin it on your chest, and they give you a little citation. And it's actually it's very nice. It's uh, yes. Um, a lot of guys are in those by dying. So yeah. I mean to to be wounded and to get a purple heart and to still be alive, and to not even be life threatening wounds was only by the grace of God. Yeah. Well, so, tell us. Um, let's kind of jump ahead now to your your home. Uh, what is? Tell us about what PTSD is and how does it work on a person and why does it happen? PTSD is uh, post traumatic stress disorder, and I would say uh, pretty much everybody that comes home, I think, has some sort of a form of PTSD. I okay. think the ones that uh, have it more severe were the ones that were in uh, firefights and bombings and things like that. Um, I still suffer from PTSD today, and I have therapy every week uh, with a counselor here at the Marshalltown VA. Uh, so so the counselor is, is somebody who's trained to deal with PTSD? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I can imagine you're coming under shelling every day, every day, every morning you have to come to grips with your own mortality. Yes. That, that you don't, you don't leave that behind when you come home. No, you don't. You, you, it's always with you. And, uh, uh, unfortunately my wife gets the brunt of it during the night when I'm having night terrors and I'm kicking and flailing around in bed and, and she, I've scared her several times, uh, sure. because of things like that. So you go back in time, basically? You do. Yeah, you, you go back to those situations and you're, you're fighting them all over again in your dreams. You wake up sweating and stuff, you say? You wake up sweating and, and uh, disoriented and, and uh, heart pounding. and Is yeah. it real, real? Does it feel real? Oh, it feels real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So uh, do you know, I mean, when you came back, did you know that's what you had? No. Not at first. So it develops after or? They start giving you literature about PTSD and stuff and they talk about it. And I think you kind of figure out that, wow, I think I I might have this. You talk about night terrors. Is there anything that happens while you're awake um, that is a symptom of PTSD? You bet. Uh, you'll notice most, most people that were in a war zone, you'll notice uh, they don't want to be around crowds. They don't want to go out to the mall. They keep to themselves. They stay home where it's safe. Uh, they don't want to go to events. Um, but if they do say go to the store or something, you're out, you're on alert. You're always looking around, worried that something's going to happen to you. You're on high alert. Are, yeah. are you on that when you like, I mean, because you go to events, you mm -hmm. go to concerts and different things like that. Mm -hmm. Is that tough for you to to enjoy? It is. Uh, you change after being in, in a war. Uh, everything that you used to do, uh, you're doing it now, and you've got that in the back of your mind. It's it's completely changes who you are. See, there's there's got to be a disconnect because between my life and your life in the sense of 
I've not been to war. I've not had that experience. Now, I've been shot at while fishing. My, I was with a <laughs> Vietnam guy. We were up in Cedar, Cedar Falls, and we just happened to get into this. Uh, we were fishing in this little pond off of the river, and uh, we just happened to be in this drug deal that was going on. And all of a sudden, they started shooting at us. And we were wow. on this thing. Yeah, the Vietnam, uh, my friend, we still talk about it. And he's like, get down, crawl, do all this. Kind of, I'm like, it was intense. You we're, had a taste of it. Well, we were going through, I don't want to say I had a taste, but I mean, it was intense. <laughs> we're running through the cornfields looking at like, what's going on here? Wow. And uh, I've never heard this story. Yeah, I'll have with you sometime. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> my wife knows all about it. And we wow. finally end up running about about uh, half a mile, end up in the farmer's uh, house and get help. And, uh, wow. but, but, well, you don't can have I that share? Feeling, though. You don't have that feeling like you, you know, you're always on alert. You've got, you know, we don't get that. Yeah. Well, uh, can I just share? I, yeah. uh, no. I've never told this before. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I've never told this before, but I've been in church board meetings. Okay, I'm done. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yes, thanks, Dave. <laughs> hey, Rob can help you anytime. So yeah. uh, okay, <laughs> but you know, I'm just thinking. You know, PTSD. It's like it's been named for how long? It's been around forever. They used to call it shell shock. Yes. Okay. Back in World War One, World War Two, they called it shell shock. Shell shock. Uh huh. And I don't think they treated it very serious back then well i think that then correct me if i'm wrong but i believe then it was looked at as a weakness the men would come home from the war they'd be shell-shocked it was looked at as as a weakness and I, um, it was portrayed in the movies of that time as a weakness and they and, kept it to themselves they didn't yeah. talk about it and probably as you were saying ask for help probably a ma great help. majority of the men who came back had it but they they exactly. were too ashamed to talk about it yes Rob knows this in in Marshalltown we have the Iowa Veterans Home and when I grew up we used to it was very patriotic I love being patriotic and it used to be at the Veterans Home and the band would come in play mm -hmm. and in the evening July 4th they would shoot the fireworks off. oh yeah now I loved it. <laughs> oh. now, now again this is the this is the disconnect okay? right right when they when they moved it from there out to the college, most of the people who have been around town for a long time were so upset because that was not patriotic out there. At the same time, we didn't know what was going on to the to the vets there. You were freaking them out. Yeah, they're hearing yeah, explosions, that's something to think about. and it's taking them right back to war again. Well, back then it would have been World War II, you know. Yep. Yeah, and, and Korean, all that kind of yeah, stuff. And Vietnam, because that was, you know, that's going back forty years. Yes, plus. Right. Nobody thought about that part of it. No, no, and, and I don't know. Do people think about that July Fourth? I mean, around here, you know, July Fourth starts on uh, June twenty fifth and goes until uh, July tenth, probably. If you're asking me, I think my answer would be no. That yeah. uh, people don't think about the veteran. Yeah. Um, I don't go to the 4th of July fireworks anymore. Um, the smells, the sounds, 
the, too the explosions. It's just too much. Yeah. So okay, you came wait, home. Wait, wait, oh, wait a second, Dave, before you ask this, because I have to ask <laughs> this question here. So we think that July 4th parades and all this kind of patriotic, you know, it's, you know, how dare they move it from whatever. And if you're not, if you don't celebrate, you're not patriotic. Right. But there you are, along with how many other people are the same. I just can't handle the smells, uh, uh, the, the, the sounds, sounds. and the crowds. Yeah. And the hamburgers. so you just kind of hunker down in your your house stay home yeah you bet so but when you're outside and all of a sudden these people are shooting the fireworks off does it you find yourself jumping to the ground and ducking for cover and i'm serious (laughs) i'm not joking about it you do wow i i i just don't you don't think about that go ahead Dave. yeah you don't you came home in 2005 is that correct yes 2005. So it's been, it's been 17 years, 16, 17 years. And 17 years already. Do wow. you, uh, are you better? No. Really? No, I'm not better. Do you? Okay. Is I'm working such, on it. But is there, do you ever, what's their hope for you in PTSD? Is there a point to where you can manage stuff better? It just doesn't, go away it does not go away what you said manage they they treat you they they teach you how to look at it think about it differently um that's kind of what i'm doing right now every week is they're teaching me to to look at it in a different perspective so so you can process it. so i can process it so i so i can go to walmart with my wife and go shopping and, and not be thinking that I'm going to get bombed or sniped or I don't know. It's, it's strange. So how's, how's your relationship with your wife changed over the years? Is that, is there a greater understanding on her part? And does she still know there's just times that Rob's having his moments that there's really nothing I can do, but I can pray and maybe I can help calm down the situation. I mean, what we're, Maybe that's exactly. too personal. Exactly. No, you hit it right on. So she's she's now you had uh, um, dogs. You have dogs. I have a dog. Um, and you've had a dog ever since you've been back from war. Yes. Comfort. Yes. Dogs no? are very comforting. You bet. Did you uh, get a dog for that purpose? I did not get a service dog. I, I am qualified for a service dog if if I choose to, to get one, but I have not as of yet got a service dog. But we have a family pet. But Chester was pretty uh, good to you, right? Yeah, the family pet serves just like a service dog. Uh, well, how, how The only difference it? is you can't take them in the store with you. Okay. Tell, you me, tell me what is the purpose of a service dog? How would a service dog help? a victim of PTSD service dogs. I don't, I can't explain it too much, but uh, you've got the dog with you. You hold it close and it it knows that you're feeling bad and it it just wants to give you love and let you know that you're okay. 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 Mm. It's a comfort. Yeah. 
it's like a dog that is probably with somebody that's getting trained. Have a seizure. Yeah, they're trained to do it. Yeah, to to bring some kind of um maybe to to put the the to lower the level of intensity anxiety. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean over the the last few years dogs, especially dogs, but even cats, believe it or not, have been known to uh to be great therapeutic uh tools. You bet. People. I think they are. Mm-hmm. And they're can all, I, can I, way. can I plug an organization? Is yeah, that okay? Sure. Puppy Jake, Puppy mm-hmm. Jake in Des Moines. They, they give service dogs to, to service members who qualify that need a, a service dog. And, and it uh, takes a while to qualify a dog. Yes, it does. It, it takes months. Yeah. So when you get a dog, there's been lots of time, lots of investment. I mean, a lot of, sweating you bet it's gone into the development of that dog to yes yeah a um, lot of time a lot of training a lot of money yeah yeah so your your wife and you are you're just working through this together through the years then exactly yeah she she didn't go to war with me but i brought the war home with me and she has experienced the war through me. Like it or not. Like it or not. Yeah, I'm sure that that's probably something that she was not anticipating um, before you came home. Right. I, I'm not trying to make the, 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 um, the analogy here that this is the same, but it's like Dave and I going to ministry, our wives were not like called to be pastors, but when they they married us they took on that calling right like it or not the good the and, bad and the ugly yeah and good movie yeah <laughs> find out how important your spouse is really yes way more than what you probably even give them credit you for bet. and uh when they say they're the better half they really are the they really are the better half yes yeah i don't know if you've read the book uh american sniper or seen the movie i have Uh, you have uh what was can you remember the name of the uh who it was about oh gosh the guy i Uh, saw that yeah um was his name kyle something kyle yes that's right yes uh i think it was a pretty good description a pretty good depiction of ptsd don't you you bet um where he, he had to deal with it and then he was helping another veteran who had it who wound up taking Kyle's life. Yes. Yeah. That's tragic. Yeah, terrible thing. Unbelievable. I couldn't I could never imagine doing that to a fellow veteran, but Yeah. Okay, so you say that now. Now we have a problem with homeless veterans. We do. Suicide. We do. Um They've just, I mean, it, it is an epidemic, what's going on. Yes. How much of PTSD is part of their journey into that? And what, what are some other factors you think that maybe we don't see that causes them to lead to this lifestyle? Because I know you've tried to help people, fellow veterans that have gone through stuff like that. Yeah, I, that's, that's a very tough 
question you're asking me because I'm not a counselor. I'm not trained to uh, to help out other vets. But um, can you understand? Do you? I mean, you understand why they would do something like that? Yes and no. Okay. Uh, I got to get. Because <laughs> um, you're a fighter, you wouldn't do that. Right. Exactly. Some some take a blame they take it personal that it was their fault that something happened uh, i could have prevented something from happening but i didn't therefore these people are now dead and it's all my fault Did, they take it home with them they lose their jobs they lose their marriage they're homeless they're living in a tent mm -hmm. and they're all over the place out there that people need to help them are they will are do many of them want help you think or are they just gotten to the point of where they don't want any help i think it's probably 50 50 half of them are probably crying for help and half of them have given up mm. uh I, again, I think it's so easy. You're in your car, drive right past people like you see that, them on the go, corners. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ho ho homeless veteran, please help. God bless. And yeah. you, you don't know if they're telling the truth or not. Right. Maybe, yeah. and they may not be. That's that's a tough call. Yeah. They're down there in, in Wichita, Dave. If you remember, went to district council. There'd be by Bethel Church. There, there'd be uh, bridges and and little areas, and they'd be out in that area living there little tent city yeah, most, yeah. most of the most of them were pastors yeah probably <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is why we get nowhere you know? <laughs> that was good so so 17 years ago if you could have a redo this would you go back and do it again? A hundred percent. Not even a thought. Huh. And that's why that's, that's me. I have a feeling a high, a high percentage of our soldiers. I would think so. I, I would think a very high percentage would, would do it again. Okay. Uh, do you remember what was the movie that came out? Saving Private Ryan. Very and realistic. Did you go to that? Oh, yes. Did, were you there when World War II vets were going to that movie? Um, not that I noticed, but. Eight, do you remember that, Dave, when that movie came out? Mm hmm Sure do. 1998. And, and, and they had men coming out of movie theaters, wheelchairs and whatever mm -hmm. else, weeping like a baby. I can imagine. And I remember several interviews of people talking to them. And when they got their everything together, one, that was one of the questions. If you knew, would you go back and do it again? They all said yes, didn't they? They all said, you know it. <clears throat> the greatest generation. Now, my, my dad had a little bit different take on that movie. Did he? he uh, it, not, not about the, the realistic battle scenes, but about the way they treated Captain Miller. They were pretty disrespectful to him. And he said, you did not treat your superior officer that way. You did not disagree. You did not, um, you did not, 
what am I trying to say? You did not try to bunk your uh, your uh, commanding officer. That right. was that was just not done at all. And, right. And uh, so he said that was a pretty inaccurate depiction. Mm. A lot of movies uh, that Hollywood makes have some truth to it. Yes. Yeah. Um, some truth. Some yeah. truth. Yeah. Are there any movies that you've seen? war movies that you've seen that are like this is trash this is probably not even uh i'd have to think about it i don't know do you remember you know, i remember back in 1986 the movie platoon came out platoon and it was, was supposedly an, an accurate depiction of vietnam my uncle was in vietnam he said not even close really not, yeah he said, he said, it's a politicized, it's a politicized movie. And he says, it, it's not what we were doing in Vietnam. So I, wow. that's just, that was just um, his take on it at least. Right. Uh, yeah. I, what was the one? Um, Robin Williams did one. Uh, it was called uh, Good Morning, Morning Vietnam. Vietnam. Good morning, and Vietnam. You, you remember that movie? That was a real yeah. thing. Yeah, that was there a was real, a real guy that did that. Ex- yeah, that was Adrian Cronin. And yeah. the things around it happened that right. was pretty close to yeah. it. Right. Um, that that was a sad movie. That was sad. Yeah, very sad. Yeah, so, especially when he went, "Good morning, Vietnam." Yeah. What What do you think uh, of What do you think of like the old John Wayne movies, Sands of Iwo Jima? Yeah, and, all that kind of stuff. What do you think well, of those? I think they're great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very you, good. They make you feel patriotic. Do you, you know, I know we're coming down to a close here, but do you ever, do you ever go to museums, war museums? Um, yes, is that I do. something that you're fascinated yes, with? Yes, yes. Uh, the, there's one at Camp Dodge here in Iowa that has a great museum. And another one that I went to was the uh, Marine Corps Museum out in Virginia. Awesome museum. Real, very, very interesting. Hmm. Have you kept where, any of your stuff from the Marines? Yes. Yeah, where in life. Where in Virginia is this museum that you speak? Uh, it's near uh, Quantico. Oh, okay. That would be interesting to see. Right down the road from the FBI. Yeah. Place there. Okay. Now Dave is a big time presidential buff guy. Really? He likes yeah. he likes presidential stuff, and so. Do you know any presidents that were Marines? No, no president was in the Marine Corps. No, all Army. Uh, Army. Uh, Carter was uh, Navy. Yeah, but I think that's it. I think most of them huh. Army. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Chesty Polar would have been a great president. You know who that is? He was in the Marine Corps. You, what, what years? <laughs> Way back. Way back when. <laughs> hmm. Chesty Polar. Chesty Polar. Hey, now you, somewhere you in the sing cal- to him in boot camp at night before you go to sleep. Oh, really? Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> uh, somewhere in the Calvary, right? Huh? Roosevelt. Was, was he in the, the Was Calvary? he in the Calvary? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, yes. I know Sherman Potter was in the Calvary. Sherman too. T. Yes. Potter. Yes. Sherman T. Potter. Now be careful. It's Cavalry, not Calvary. Calvary, yeah. Calvary was that's where true. Jesus went. Yeah, that's right. Well, Jesus went there. That's cavalry. for sure. Yeah, cavalry. cavalry. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, oh listen, Rob, it has been such an honor to have you with us tonight. Thanks. We want to thank you for being here. We want to thank Andy. We want to thank all of our listeners for being with us during this episode. And please don't forget to comment, share this podcast with your friends. If this uh, episode really meant something to you, make sure you let us know. Send us a message on our Two Dave's Podcast Facebook page or Instagram page. We'd be happy to talk with you. I, I think before I close my part out, I wanted to ask Rob, was there anything that um, you wanted to say? Uh, if you wanted to do a part two sometime, I guess I'd be willing to come back. I've got many, many more stories. That'd be awesome. That was really good. You haven't heard about the Lopper yet? No. So next time. Okay. Next time we'll do it. That that would be good. That'd be great. Hey, until next time, um, we hope that you, uh, spread the word like Dave said, and remember this two Daves are always better than one. Peace out. Thank you.